This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you ideas for how to build a happier life. This week, it's a very special episode, and we are recording at the soundstage of the show that Elizabeth has been working on here in New York City. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature, and I'm here in New York City at the Silver Cup Studios in Queens, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and yes, Gretch, welcome to my world. Yes. <laughs> You're here. I've been to your world many times, yes. but this is one of the few times you've been to mine, and so it's, I'm very excited to have you and Henry here visiting. Yeah. Uh, and experiencing for yourself what I do all the time. Well, I have to, some of the time. I have to say, it's it's so much exactly the way that I pictured it. It almost feels like a caricature of itself because <laughs> right. it's like here's Elizabeth in her director's chair with her headphones on, and here's like the people walking around with like giant planks of wood, <laughs> you know, painted to look like something else. Or as I walked You're the in, actress with the hair done, <laughs> and her makeup done, and a robe. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like there were these two guys carrying like what looked like a giant fake tree branch. Uh-huh. Just like walking down, you know, the thing. So it's um, it's super exciting to be here because I visited you on location the other day, but I've never been to a soundstage and it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. This is where we come to build sets and we have a lot more control here. So it's nice. It's a little bit more relaxed than being on location. Yeah, yeah. 
So, Gretch, throughout this episode, we'll play some clips of you wandering around and experiencing uh, <laughs> Hollywood life on this soundstage and what's going on. Yes. And- yeah. Henry and I are going to go exploring. Um, when you're busy doing your job, we're going to like sneak around and see what's going on. Sounds good. Yeah, we've been walking for about two minutes now, and we're still like halfway between the dressing room and the soundstage. Coming from New York City, it's huge, which to us, we're used to being in these very cramped office spaces. This thing is gigantic. It's taking us, it's like a whole city, it's probably two city blocks. Um, it's giant, giant, giant space. Okay, we might have to be quiet now. Hey, Liz, what's going on? So, Elizabeth, you have a Try This at Home that's inspired by um, being here on the set. What is it? Yeah. So, Gretchen, my Try This at Home is let people do their job. Ah. Uh, and that's because he, here, you know, in, in when we are making television or movies or whatever, everyone has a very specialized job. And it's sort of Hollywood sort of known for that. Like the joke is that, you know, you can't move a chair, right. uh, you know, on a set unless that's your job. Right. Um, and it's because there's so many moving parts. There's so much going on that everyone really needs to know what their specific task is. So someone's putting up the lights, someone's putting out the props, someone's doing the set dressing. Everything is, is, is just very particular and that's how it all works. And you can see as you walk around and see everything that's going on, if people were getting each other's space and doing each other's jobs, it would be a mass of confusion. Yeah. And so that's true, you know, making a TV show, but I think it's also probably more true than we realize in everyday life. Yeah. Well, I think there's sort of a corollary to letting people do their job too, which is that if you've asked them to do a job or if they, if they have a job, you kind of have to accept the fact that they're going to do that job in their own way in their own time. And you either have to, and if you want somebody else to do a job, you have to let them do it their way, or you've got to do it yourself. And I think sometimes people want to tell other people to do work, but then they also feel like they get to 100% tell them how to do that job. And they get frustrated if it's like, if you won't do it right away, even though it doesn't need to be done for a week, I want you to do it right away, so why are you delaying? Or I want you, like loading the dishwasher, something as silly as that. I know somebody who constantly like reloads the dishwasher because she says her husband loads the dishwasher wrong. I'm like, as long as it, and he yeah. says, she says, well, he says as long as the dishes get clean, what difference does it make? And I'm kind of like, well, I'm sort of with what him. What difference does it, it make? If you want him, to, like you can load the dishwasher yourself. But if you want him to do that job, or if he said that, I'm going to do that job, then you got to let him do that job. Yeah, I also think it can really send a mixed message. Like if you're saying, I'm talking more of a work situation, yeah. but if you tell someone, well, send so-and-so an email about the meeting yes. next week, and then you go ahead and also send an email about the meeting next week, suddenly it feels like your organization is sort of like a chicken with the head, running around yeah. with the head cut off, and it makes it seem like less professional. Even though, and it's kind of the need I think some people have to micromanage yes. 
Uh, and I think it can have a, just a negative impact on everyone because also the other person whose job it was to send the email yes. feels like you don't trust them yes. and that you think they can't do it right. And yeah. that is in fact, probably why you send the email because maybe you don't trust them. Right. But then there's another thing that happens, which is if you constantly tell somebody to do something and then you go ahead and do it yourself, then they're not going to do it when you tell them to do it because they're like, well, if I just wait, maybe this other person will do it and save me the trouble. And so you're actually creating a cycle of encouraging people not to do what is supposed to be their job because they're like, well, if I just don't do, I think part of the thing, and I'm no, I, I, we talked about this in the problem of shared work yeah. in episode 28, is that if you want people to do their share of the work, you have to allow them to do that work. You have to allow that work not to be done if they don't do it. And right. you have to allow them to do it in their own way. And anytime you mess with that, then you create, a, you create either confusion or you actually end up doing more, which usually then makes you feel resentful, resentful and angry. Yeah, and it also goes into the realm of define what people's jobs are. Yes. You know, and I think this can be very true at home. It's like, you know... I know, for instance, in your life, Jamie does everything related to the car. Yes. And you do everything related, I assume, to school. Yeah. And so it also helps to know what your job is, and then you can have a lot more confidence that it's getting done. Yes. Whereas if you don't have that definition, and this is, again, why it works so well in Hollywood, in making a TV show, if you don't have that definition, then something can easily fall through the cracks. But then, and then also like on the show, if something hasn't been done, it's very clear whose responsibility it was. Yes. And so it's like very, because the problem is like when several people can do something, often it's this case where they're like, it's not my job to answer that email. And I don't exactly know what the answer is. So I'll just hope that someone else responds and then no one responds. But here's the funny thing from the world of dog training. Cause you know, mm. we, we were trying to step up our game with Barnaby, which means people training. Uh, he's very well trained. We are not very well trained. Um, so um, we were practicing touch, which is when they come touch your hand, um, which is a super useful thing. And Wait, I don't, what is that? Oh, so touch is like you hold out your hand and you say like Barnaby touch. And then he's supposed to come and put his nose to your hand. Wow. And when he does that, then that's like, oh, that's, that's what he was supposed to do. And that's good because like if you need to grab their collar or something like wow. that, it makes them get, they're not just coming near you, they're actually touching your hand. Got it. And the trainer was saying like, you've got to give a dog a good 10 seconds. So, because I was like, well, he, sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. And goes, she said, well, maybe you're not giving him time. Like maybe, and like I've tried that since and like sometimes he'll kind of look at me for like a good three or four seconds like, I don't know if I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, he's like, well, I guess I will. And then he comes. But it's ah. like, she's like, but a lot of times people are like, touch, touch. And then they get frustrated. And it's like, you just got to give him time to like comply. Wow. So and, the same goes for other people in their jobs. We all need to give each other time to get our stuff done. Yeah. It's just like, let somebody do their job. Well, maybe you want it done tomorrow, but they don't think, but it's not actually due till Monday. Well, you'd like to know that it's done today, but they could do it by Friday. Like give them their time to do their job. Yeah, you know, Gretch, before I knew that everyone had their job and to let this all go when I was a much younger mm-hmm. writer, just getting to, you know, be comfortable on set. Yeah. You know, when you watch a TV show, of course, you you cut from this actor to that actress and back and all of that. Um, I didn't know how it worked. And so I found myself like, running up to the director being like, well, you didn't, we can't see this person's face. 
Oh, um, right. You know, thinking it was my job to like, uh-huh. point out that we'd shot this scene, but we hadn't seen this person's face. And then they're like, yeah, because we haven't turned around yet. Like, uh-huh. I'll make sure that I get their face. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So it was like, that's when I realized, oh, okay, somebody is in charge of this kind of thing. Right. And <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. Right. Um, but I thought it was my job to make sure that we saw everyone's face. And in fact... Of course, that's all they do every day is make sure that everybody can be seen. Well, this was something that was when I was visiting you on the uh, on location that was amazing to me. I didn't realize like they'll do a scene like 12, 14 times. And they'll, and like this time it's, it's sort of like focusing on this person and this time it's yeah. focusing on that person. And this time it's like, and it's, it's a wide shot. And I, there did, is I didn't someone, realize. Yeah. That, and there's that, people who just keep track of, okay, what have we seen? What have we not seen yet? Right. So I'm curious, uh, tell us if you've had this issue in your life, either if you've had a boss who doesn't let you do your job or (laughs) if you struggle, as some of us do, with letting other people do their job. Yeah. So I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com, Twitter, Facebook, or always you can go to happiercast.com. This is happiercast.com slash 60 because this is our very special episode 60. Okay, tell me what, what's going on now. Uh, well, right now we're walking to craft services, which is the bane of my existence on set. Say what craft services Craft is. services is a, um, it's basically where they just have all this food, and it's usually like candy, chips. You can see the chocolate sauce out for something. Yeah. If the show got picked up, would you maybe be working in New York? Uh, I'm not writing in New York, but we would come back and forth. Um, so I'd be here quite often. I could do some podcast recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, we would come, um, you know, periodically. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I like how within eyesight, right now I can see like a pile of rainbow assortment of paints. Yeah. Like a place called a walkie-talkie charging station, which has like 20 charging walkie-talkies. And a bunch of black and white cookies. It's just a real assortment of stuff here. What time did you wake up today? Not that early, 6.30. We, only, we didn't have to call today till 8 a.m., but other days we've had 6 and 6.30 a.m., so 8 felt very late. Now all the lights just went out. What's that about? Let's go look and see. Let's go look and see if they're ready to shoot. Okay. Walk back over. Um, in the Larry Sanders show, there's a thing in the opening where Hank says, this is exciting, isn't it? And that's how I feel, because it's very exciting. We're on in 10 seconds, so get ready to have a good time. All right, here we go. This is exciting, isn't it? When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team, and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and we are back, Gretchen, with Helen Childress, who I've had the pleasure of working with for the last several <laughs> weeks. It feels like years at this point. Hi, Helen. Hey, Liz. Hi, Gretchen. <laughs> uh, now, I have to introduce Helen by telling everyone that not only has she written this pilot, which I'll tell you about in a second, but she also wrote one of my favorite movies, Reality Bites, which is a total seminal movie for anyone anywhere around our age, anyone who's a Gen Xer, this uh, defined being a Gen Xer, uh, starring Ethan Hawke, Winona Ryder, Ben Stiller, all when they were really young. Um, it's a fantastic movie, and here's a clip. You know, you're very beautiful. I mean, I mean, uh, seriously, you're... I'm, uh... I'm, uh... not really good with compliments. <laughs> um... But, uh, um, <laughs> are you religious? Um, <laughs> uh, I guess, um, I guess I'm, uh, a non-practicing Jew. Hey, I'm a non-practicing virgin. <laughs> Helen, you want to say a little bit about what this pilot's about? Sure. Um, this pilot is takes place in 1977. It's about the modeling world in, in 1977 in New York City. Yeah, and it doesn't have a title yet, which is why we're not saying what the title is. <laughs> but should it go to series and have a title, we'll be plugging that, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so Helen, I have to ask you, because you know I'm obsessed with Reality Bites, yeah, and I've yeah. been grilling you about it somewhat, but I have to ask, I mean, you, that movie came out when you were 23 years old. Oh, actually, I started writing it while I was still in college at wow. USC when I was 20, and I found I could not keep up with my courses and um, write the screenplay at the same time. So, um, and since I, my major was at, it was, at the time it was called filmic writing, which we always joked we should call it McWriting because it was like writing for the screen. Um, so I actually had to, um, I kind of, I guess, dropped out my senior year. I feel silly and funny saying but, that, but I, I did drop out my senior year. But did, so wait, I'm, but so you dropped out of a, a program in film writing in order to write a film? That seems legit. I know. I felt it was legit. <laughs> I, now I go, maybe I should have gotten the the degree but um but yeah i i did i stopped and, and started working professionally and i was 20 when i started writing it and then i was 23 when it got made so i did write it for three years and then when i was 24 when it came out so it was still it was i look back i thought i was old at the time um but now i look back and i go oh my god did i really did that really <laughs> i mean i watched the movie and it's almost kind of embarrassing it's like reading your diary from yeah. when you were a teenager <laughs> is what it feels like and i'm like oh it's kind of cringe you know what i mean kind of cringe inducing a little bit but but that's why it's so good cuz it is it's so much like that 
for every single person who sees it. Well, I, I don't think I could have written it at an older age. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think you ha- I had to be of that age to write it because it felt so real to me as I was writing it, just writing about my own experiences and my friends and really not being in a way mature enough to have a censor. Like it was really looking at your life at, because at that young of an age, you don't have much of a biography to draw from yet. I mean, not biography, but you, well, you don't. You don't. You haven't had a lot of experience. Um, and I don't think I had the skill set to sort of make things up and structure them out right. Um, <laughs> I couldn't fictionalize it. So I, I was just using um, really stuff that happened to me or stuff that happened to my friends. Um, so it is, I, I mean, I don't think I could. It, it's so it's almost embarrassing how much it wears its heart on its sleeve in a way. Um, it's one of those things that you had to write in the moment. Uh, you know, Gretchen and I talk about happiness and good habits. And a lot of times we talk about stumbling blocks and things that keep you from being happy. My question is having that kind of success in your early twenties. Yeah. Do you feel like that's and it caused you any unhappiness? Like it was sort of like, Oh my God, like that's as big as it gets almost. And then you're just sort of, I mean, does it mess with your head to have that at such a young age? I think it does in a certain way. Um, I think it's really hard for, I, I don't think I realized that it messed with my head till later. I couldn't even really imagine that level of success. And so I just honestly kind of fought against it. I didn't want to um, move out of the apartment we were in. I didn't want to accept the change, you know, that was happening. So um, a lot of, a lot of it was trying to, I guess you'd say, stay real, you know, or yeah. stay. I actually did. I didn't want to get disconnected from, in a way, my source. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, um, I was afraid of losing the ability to write. Like, I was afraid of getting sort of sucked in by success. Mm. And so I fought against it really hard. In fact, after I after it came out, I was like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to screenwrite anymore. I'm going to do poetry now. And so I took like two years off just to write <sighs> poetry, which I <laughs> look back on it. I go, what was I thinking? But I felt like I needed to, I just didn't want to lose what had allowed me to write it in the first place, which mm. I felt like doing all some kind of blind picture deals and going on and just being fabulous mm. and whatever mm. would completely disconnect me from mm-hmm. the, um, whatever it was, it's the impetus to, to write and create just for the sake of creating artistically and not being commercially minded about it. So I sort of had a, I guess, a battle with myself, I guess, for a few years. Um, and then um, I guess decided, hey, we should probably get a house someday. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I should accept the, the career. Uh-huh. Um, and I actually did find it hard to jump back in. And, and so another thing we talk about a lot is habits and sort of what are people's habits of work, of their work pace? So like, how do they stay creative? How do they stay productive? So what, what, are you, what kind of habits do you have? You know, that's such a good question because I wish I had a habits that I could formulize. You know, mm. that I was like, okay, so at nine I start, <laughs> and then I go sit outside for 30 minutes, and then I come in. Yeah. Um, but what I find is that almost all of my I guess habits are all of my, what I do is it's intuition based. It's Uh, like just for some reason I'll write for let's say two days and then I'll go, you know what I need to do today? Even though there's a deadline at four, I need to go to Costco mm. right now. And you know what I mean? And buy a log of goat cheese or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and it's just kind of following, 
uh, intuition, I guess. But so are you doing that in the spirit of procrastination or are you doing it that like there's something about it that's somehow feeding your creativity in a way that's not linear? Gretchen, I really don't know. I wish I did. But I know that like I try to listen to, um, Uh. because what happens is then I'll go like, I'll, I'll fight with myself. Like, I know I shouldn't, let's say, go to Costco. Right. But then, or wherever. Or I know I shouldn't um, take a walk or, or do this other thing. But then what I often find almost every time is I'll do that other thing. And then I'll end up having a conversation with someone. Uh, or I'll end yeah. up picking up a magazine or a book and going, oh my God. I mean, even just this morning, I was like, I know I shouldn't do the New York Times crossword. I should probably be reading these scripts that whatever but then i opened it up to the crossword and right by it was a was an article about a book that had just come out about a like life in 1980 in uh, new york and i was like oh i should read that so right. a lot of times like that happens right um and i don't know what that's about i just feel like if i follow kind of what i want to do if i eventually just It'll, it'll all come around. It pays off in some way that maybe you couldn't predict, but it ends up being useful in some yeah, way. Yeah, you get some kind of material. And it happens every time when I get stuck. And do you write, would you write like for like an hour or two or three hours of a stretch? Or like once you get going, you'll go for six hours? Or like what's your typical, or I, how, do you, how do you manage getting ideas? And I mean, I, I would say two things to that. One is I always tell my husband I can get, I can't get much done in three hours, but I can get a lot done in three and a half hours Mm. because there's three hours that are spent tearing your hair out. And Mm. then in that last 20 minutes, you're like, oh my gosh, Mm. I figured it out. Um, When I was, um, when I was in, I went to a special high school that had a, um, it was an arts high school, but they had a, uh, it was in Houston. It was called High School for the Performing Visual Arts. And they had a division that was just for, oh, Okay. Oh, oh, we're being called to stage. You want to get it? <laughs> oh, do, do we need to go? Break. One second. Hey, so I went to the special high school where they had a writing program, and we had a, the, um, a man who became the poet laureate, Robert Pinsky, came to talk oh. to us. And they asked, one of the students asked him, what inspires you? And he said, um, what inspires him oftentimes is other art, meaning he'll read Chekhov and know that he'll never be that good. And that inspires him. So often what I do when I get stuck is I just start reading um, Aaron Sorkin, Patichewski, um, any kind of great screenwriting. Ah. Um, and that it's not that I copy it, but it like, you want to be that good. You know what I mean? So it inspires you to try. That's interesting because sometimes people feel like they shouldn't do that because then they worry that they will copy. But you don't, you don't worry about about copying. Right. (laughs) No, no, I I mean, it's not like you literally copy it, but you can, um, I find that I can oftentimes mimic it Uh um, and put my own spin on it. And it's, it's inspired, it's super inspiring to, um, to read something that's really good like that. Okay, so Helen, we always ask um, our guests for a try this at home. Do you have a try this at home for people who are aspiring writers? My advice for aspiring writers would be to write longhand, um, to get a pencil and a notepad. Oh, and... man, I could, not, I could not do that. My handwriting is so bad. <laughs> as long as you can read it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I guess it that's right. Right. Because um, I feel like that is, especially when you're stuck, like definitely writing ah. at the ty- typewriter is great when you're in a rush, you need to get something done or whatever. But if you're really trying to think of ideas, oftentimes um, I find that, you know, 
it's the stuff that you wrote down in the margins, the little uh, doodles and stuff like that, that you think, oh, that's nothing. And then you go back later and go, oh my gosh. In fact, on this pilot, I did that a lot. And so I think writing in longhand is a great way to 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 bypass sort of your own sensor. It's well, literally coming through your body. You know what I mean? Except for the pencil, I guess. is, But you're controlling it. So I really feel like that and listening to music are honestly those are like two kind of triggers i guess um that really help and also just not forcing it all right we are about to get called back to stage yeah we're gonna end this thank you helen for being here yeah it was fantastic to get a chance to talk to you gretchen this was this was really great So this is Video Village. This is where we have a couple of monitors showing us what's going to be filmed. Gretchen, can you describe what's behind you? <clears throat> so it's a it's a it's like a giant mural of a cityscape of New York City. This was, yeah, this was an apartment, and then we had the trans light up, or the trans light behind us. You see, was the city skyline. Wow. So we shot into the apartment, and then it was reflecting on the glass. And it looked really, really pretty. It looked great. Too bad you guys missed that. That was fun. Is that an actor behind you? Uh, it's an extra. Featured extra. Cool. Yeah. I'm dressed in 70s clothes because the show takes place in 1977. Can you say that? I can say that, yeah. Um, wait, what's the difference between being an extra and being a featured extra? I'm not exactly sure, but it, the featured extra is like they... Um, they do something. They do something. They're, you just really see their face. They have that direction. Whereas an extra is just kind of in the background. Proud, proud yeah. scene. How do you feel on set? Are you like anxious right now? Are you relaxed? Is this your, is this I, your zone? I would be totally relaxed if we weren't doing this. <laughs> I'm anxious because I'm not normally walking around with a microphone and everyone's like, what are they doing? But nobody seems particularly <laughs> phased, I have to say. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm much more relaxed in the writer's room because this is not my milieu. Are you like head honcho here? Uh, one of the head honchos, yes. Yeah, hopefully no one will yell at me here. Um, but they could. Sometimes, like, you know, people don't care and they just yell at you anyway. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.